Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, there's a lot of goings-on going on at the Walt Disney World Resort. A lot of things happening, and I wanted to talk about some of them. First off, I wanted to talk about some of the changes that are coming to, like, security procedures. As you look around the resort, you start to see more security happening. In some places, there's metal detectors, and there's more visible security, more dog sniffing, and more things happening. And I think there's more unseen security, too. You never know about that, but I assume that the visual presence indicates that there's more things happening behind the scenes as well. I've heard about more people getting inspected and more thoroughly inspected and more questions being asked and things like that. Still politely, of course, because it's still Disney, but they're taking their things a little bit more seriously. I find that kind of interesting, and I think you're going to see increased security continue to happen as different things evolve, and we understand more about the security threats that uh, Disney may face. And uh, there was another subtle thing that happened. Uh, Disney has always had an unwritten policy that you're not allowed to carry a handgun into the parks. And this has always been the policy, and it's come up many times in some stories that you've heard. One of the most famous ones was a story about a police officer who was following a uh, dignitary, and uh, he went to the gate, and he was a uniformed officer with his sidearm, and he was told at the gate that he had to uh, turn in his sidearm in order to enter the park, and he refused, so they made him wait outside. He, He couldn't go in with the dignitary, which is one of those kind of funny things. But Disney takes that very seriously. So it's always been an unwritten rule that you can't take them in, Even though Florida has a concealed weapons permit and people can carry their concealed weapons, on Disney property, they're not allowed to. Disney has gotten an exemption based on the fact that they deal with so many fireworks that they can actually get an exemption from the state and uh, can tell people that they can't bring their concealed weapon into the parks. Now, without getting into the politics of that and the legality of that and who's fighting who over it and whether there's legal challenges... Just leave it at that and just understand that Disney has its policy in place for its everyone's safety. And I know people who do bring their guns into the park, and uh, Disney will tell you if they, if they find it. And there was a story a couple of weeks ago about a man who was trying to bring his uh, concealed weapon into the parks, and he was stopped, and they found it, and they asked for his permit because they wanted to see what the story was there, and his permit was expired, so they called the police over and he was arrested because he had an expired permit for carrying a gun anyway. So a whole other series of events that happened there. But it opened up the can of worms, and in the line of trying to protect themselves and create new security procedures, they're now enforcing the policy very vigorously, and they tell people, don't bring your guns in, and that's part of what they're looking for, is that uh, even if you have a concealed weapons permit, they will tell you to remove your gun. And they used to provide lockers uh, for people to lock their guns up. They don't provide those anymore, and they tell you to take your guns back to your car or elsewhere so that you don't have it in the parks. They just don't want to pose any risk to any guests that are there. So I understand that, and I think everyone should. It's a reasonable thing to do, considering that Disney has their exemption. Now remember, Disney has broad-reaching powers in the state of Florida. 
the way that they were set up under the legislature, and they have so many things that they can do and so many things that they control. Remember that, for the most part, they have the right to do whatever they want. They can tell people yes or no or do whatever they want, and they can take on the state on most of these things. It's an amazing amount of power that Disney has been granted under the law, given the way that they were able to build this entirety of the Walt Disney World Resort. So just kind of keep that in mind as you head to the parks. Now, one other thing I've heard about is some changes in the uh, parking. And this is kind of a subtle thing. They've been piloting, charging people to park at certain of the resorts to see how that works out. The idea is to get people to stop parking their car at these particular resorts and then heading over to the theme parks from there. The Contemporary Resort, because of its proximity to the Magic Kingdom, is the one that causes the most problems. Someone, say, goes over to Chef Mickey's and they eat breakfast there and they leave their car in the parking lot for the whole day and then head over to the theme parks and do whatever, and it's taking up a space where a guest of the resort may not have a place to park. So it makes some sense, and I get where they're coming from. It's just, it's a delicate line. It's a balance you have to strike between actually helping people and hindering them in some ways. They've tried other things as well, like giving people a parking permit that lasts for only so many hours and telling people they have to move and doing things like that. But it's all a matter of kind of controlling their space a little bit so that they make sure that their guests are well taken care of. And speaking of guests, I've heard a lot of things recently about new DVC opportunities, the Disney Vacation Club, special events and so forth that are being offered for DVC members that are kind of unique and different and new. And like they're having the 25th anniversary of DVC and they're having special events and different things that DVC members can go to. It's interesting how the scales have tipped. It used to be that locals really had control and had an understanding of what was going on. And now it's really DVC members with their ownership and the things that they're doing, they're the ones who really control the way that Disney is managing all of these special events. They have a lot of control because they have partial ownership in some piece of property, and they can band together and really take on Disney to a large degree as as a group. And it's kind of interesting how Disney reacts to them in some ways by giving them a little bit more. They keep expecting more, and Disney is still delivering. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just interesting to see how it kind of builds up that way. Speaking of which, there was also a recent article that talked to the foreclosure rate or the default rate that people are leaving the DVC properties because they're not making their payments and they're either foreclosed on because they didn't make them or they try and resell them to try and get out from under them is a higher number than Disney would like to admit. Now, the number is still lower than the national average for most timeshares, but it just goes to show you that the whole DVC thing, I think the nature of it is changing to to a large degree. People want to be a part of the club, but when they start to see the actual costs and how it mounts up and having to make the payments every month and every year, it starts to add up over time, and some people like to try to get out from under it. Now, that's not to say that it's still not a value for some people, and in another podcast, I'm going to have to talk about the whole DVC value proposition and tell you what I think about it and give you some pros and cons about what I think about the whole DVC, but that'll come another time. Turning over to the parks for a few minutes... The Imagination Pavilion over in Epcot is actually getting somewhat of a makeover. No, they're not redoing uh, Journey into Your Imagination with Figment. What they're doing is they're taking the second floor and they're redoing it, revamping it, and plan to reopen it at some point in the not-too-distant future where it'll have some new unique things that are happening there. So it used to be in the early days of Epcot, and up until about 1996 or seven, 
there was a really interesting little exhibit that was up there. It was all about imagination, and they did all these different things that were kind of cool and unique and pretty forward-thinking. And over time, it kind of fell out of favor and fell out of, into disrepair to some degree. And because it lost its sponsor in Kodak, Disney didn't really keep it up at that point. But it seems as though it's going to get a revival of some kind. Not sure exactly what's going to be there, but it's going to be some unique elements that'll kind of reestablish the Imagination Pavilion as what it is, imagination. And it'll do some interesting things, and hopefully it'll kind of grow a little bit. Some of the things they do on the first floor, where you exit the ride are kind of neat, and they're kind of reminiscent of some of the things that you used to see on the second floor. But the plan is to actually reopen the second floor and have people walk through there and do some, some clever and cool things, much more like it was when the, attract, when the pavilion first opened back in 1982. Over in the Animal Kingdom, Avatar Land, you can see more of it as you walk along in Animal Kingdom. You can see some of the rocks that are growing out and some of the things that are happening. I find it interesting, and I'm really kind of curious what it's going to look like when it's finally finished. It's still about two years away from completion, which is kind of surprising to me, given the fact that it's been under construction for quite some time now. But they haven't really announced a whole lot more other than the original drawings and some of the things they were talking about. They haven't said much more about it. So we'll see where that nets out. The River of Lights show that they're planning on having open is supposed to start this summer. We'll see if it actually does, but it sounds like an interesting proposition, too. It'll, it'll be something in the evenings to kind of draw people in and have some more things happening in the animal kingdom after what would usually be normal closing time. And then there's the Hollywood Studios. My, my, my. The Hollywood Studios is about to go under a major renovation. Starting on April 2nd, they're going to be closing basically everything that's in the back part of the park, with the exception of Muppet Vision. So New York Street, the Streets of America, the Prop Shop, the Lights, Camera, Motor Car Stunt Show, and several other of the exhibits and shops and restaurants that are back in that area will close, joining Catastrophe Canyon, which has been closed for some time, and the Backlot Tour, which hasn't gone on for a while now, and also uh, the Phineas and Ferb meet and greet, which has been closed since the beginning of the year. The Honey, I Shrunk the Kids play area will also be closed, and of course, the Earful Tower has been slated for demolition. Now, the Earful Tower is interesting because it's one of the original elements, features, that was built for, for the Disney MGM Studios. And it was the park's icon until the Sorcerer's Hat was built in the 2000s. So it's kind of iconic, and it will definitely be missed. And a whole lot more will all be closed off so they can start working on the Star Wars land and the uh, Toy Story land. Now, the Toy Story land is still a few more years off. Star Wars land is coming first. But they're starting to close everything off to start to prep the areas so they can actually do some construction back there. Now, the timelines on this construction is only about a year and a half to two years to get most of it done, at least for the Star Wars land. I find that really interesting, considering how long the Avatar-themed area has taken to get to this point, how fast and how productive they expect to get most of the Star Wars land done. Now, we did get a few hints about some of the Star Wars-themed things that are coming, there's going to be at least two rides back in there, one that will be a kind of a slower-moving ride and one that will be something more uh, fast-paced, more like a roller coaster, but we don't know exactly what they're going to look like yet. We've heard some rumors. We haven't really heard any details yet, so we'll, we'll wait and see what those actually look like before we know what it's going to be. But I think it's kind of cool. That, in addition to Star Tours, in addition to some of the things that are already there, will make a much more immersive experience, and I think it should be really interesting once it all gets up and running. The thing that amuses me, though, is that it's now Disney's Hollywood Studios, a look at all the movies, but mostly Star Wars. It's kind of a funny way to look at it, but it seems like everything is coming down to Star Wars at this point, and everything seems to be going Star Wars. 
So they've got all these new exhibits and things they're doing. Looks like Kylo Ren will be coming in to replace Darth Vader or be, or be mixed with Darth Vader on and off. Uh, at the uh, meet and greet that they have at the Star Wars launch bay. So we'll see, you know, so you'll see more of the characters that, so you'll see more characters coming from the uh, episodes seven and forward, as opposed to all the uh, the earlier characters. I think this is a way to kind of fill in some of the gaps, given the fact that they're not going to have a Star Wars weekend. They can do more things and have more characters there to be able to meet and greet, and they can expand out the nature of it a little bit. So kind of interesting the way it's working. Now over in Disneyland... It's a little more concerning. I find it a little bit heartbreaking in a way that they're taking away some of Walt's original things that he touched, he did, the Rivers of America, some of the areas that are back in that part of the park. They're going to change that and actually take some of that land to make it part of the Star Wars-themed land. And I'm a little troubled by that. I don't have a problem with progress. I don't have a problem with change. I don't mind things changing and evolving and getting better. But when you start to take away some of the richness of what it was and you're trying to make something new, it kind of troubles me just a little bit because you're really changing a historical piece for something that's a little bit of an unknown. Yeah, maybe it's a more immersive type experience, but it kind of bothers me that you're taking away in order to add. If they had taken away some of the areas that were maybe a little bit more lackluster, that might have been okay. If they'd have kind of gone into Tomorrowland a little bit or done some other things that made more sense, I probably would have been all for it. But it just feels like they're changing the flow and the pattern and the traffic. It's not quite the same hub and spoke based on the drawings that I've seen, that it's kind of taking things in a different direction. And that kind of troubles me a little bit. Hey, we'll see where how it works out. It may be a beautiful thing and it may be a great addition. But for the moment, I just had that moment where I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. It seems like it's not quite right to me. Now, there was another interesting thing I saw, and that's that Disney has applied for a permit or permits to use a series of cluster drones to do some nighttime entertainment. Now, I've seen different reports about where they actually plan to use it, because I've seen that they filed for permits in both Disneyland and Disney World. So the question is, where are they planning on using it? My guess is it's probably to go along with some of the nighttime shows that they have in various parks. So they want to use some drones to be able to fill in some of the nighttime sky, rather than always using fireworks or ground-based things, where they could actually have some drones flying along and creating something in the sky. It could be like lights going up in the sky. It could be lights going back down in the sky. It could be things moving away, could spell words. The way they have it planned out seems like it could be a lot of different things because you can have the lights on the drones doing things with different colors and have some intriguing things that that, uh, show up in the sky. Now, you may recall a couple of years ago, Disney World was expanding the Fantasyland of the Magic Kingdom, and they had created a flying dragon that they could go around and show off and kind of build the momentum a little bit for things that were coming to the park. And it was a really cool thing that they did. It was a nice piece of technology that really kind of wowed people. And, you know, it was just one of those moments. You see it and you go, oh, that's really cool. How clever that they did that. And then they kind of let that technology go. And I'm not sure what the reason for that was, but they never reintroduced it. I'm wondering if this kind of goes along with that theme to do more things like that, where you could have more interesting things happen where you can have things, maybe not like the dragon, but other things that are flying through the sky that really become kind of cool. I don't know. So there you go. That's some of the things that are going on and uh, things that are happening around the Walt Disney World Resort and into Disneyland, especially as it relates to Star Wars. But, you know, more than that, it's uh, a lot of different things happening. And I just wanted to share these things with you. Siri, where is the 2016 Super Bowl going to be played? 
Super Bowl 50 will be played on February 7, 2016, at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. No matter who wins, I'm going to Disneyland. So that's it for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.